She's Tori. And he's Nick. And this is I Want to Rewatch. An X-Files adjacent podcast. Kolchek the Night Stalker. Episode 14. The Trevi Collection. In this episode, Kolchek gets a tip about a corruption story in the garment industry. But when mysterious deaths begin happening, things take a turn and Kolchek finds himself battling an evil force hellbent on taking over the world of high fashion. Mm. I mean, the devil does wear Prada, right? Mm-hmm. Mm. This episode was written by Rudolph Borchert and directed by Don Weiss. Its original air date was Friday, January 24th, 1975 at 8 p.m. So, per usual, opening theme sequence. And then we get a little bit of a departure here because we get Kolchak walking down a sidewalk and he approaches some double wooden doors with the name Trevi on them and they're in gold letters and they got like a little crown symbol under them. And then on one door, he sees a sign that says, no cameras. So he's kind of like, oh, like, <laughs> trying to figure out what he's Because obviously he's got his camera and his recorder on his shoulder all the time, right? So he like stuffs his camera in one of his jacket pockets and he enters. And then we get his voiceover. Tuesday, May 2nd, 1 p.m. Mickey Patchek was a snitch, a dealer, a peddler of information. His clothes were as cheap as his reputation. So when he phoned me with some information to sell, I was surprised that he wanted to meet me in the heart of Chicago's chic, chic, high fashion district. What started out as a mild surprise culminated in stark, raving terror. And then we actually get the title of the episode and we get all the like the guest star and all that kind of we get all that stuff right here we don't get like a little teaser we just go right into the credits and this all happens Kolchak is inside and this room is like pure money and extravagance and Kolchak is pretty out of place right mm-hmm. there's well-dressed beautiful people everywhere they're mingling and they're drinking and they're chatting and Kolchak is really trying not to stick out too much while he's looking for Mickey but he's looking around and then in the far corner he spots Mickey and Mickey's dressed really well and so Kolchak calls out to him and then immediately realizes like, oh, that's like faux pas, right? Not supposed to do that around these people. So then he's trying to like merge his way through the group of people to get to Mickey. And Mickey kind of gives Kolchak like a little sideways glance and then disappears behind some partitions. So Kolchak is trying to get over to where Mickey was, but he's not able to. And then the event starts and everyone takes a seat. And so Kolchak does as well, right? Because he doesn't want to stick out. So the seating is split into two sides and there's a wide carpet running down the length of an aisle in between them. And then a woman comes out and we'll learn that she is Madame Trevi and she stands at a podium to the side. And so after a little short greeting, welcome everyone to the Trevi Salon. She announces the Trevi collection for 1975. So this is a fashion show. Mm -hmm. And a model comes out named Madeline and she's the first to walk down the cat aisle and Kolchak kind of shuffles in his seat because he's trying to like see where Mickey went and see where he's coming back out, right? Not really paying attention to the fashion. He's kind of like trying to figure out where he's going to find Mickey. So we see Mickey is in the back of the house in a room filled with clothing and mannequins and like designs, right? Like fashion design drawings. Mm -hmm. He's taking photos of like the clothed mannequins and then also stacks of fashion designs at a table. So then we cut back to the show and Kolchak is still trying to look around like there's a different model doing the walk again. And he's still trying to figure out where Mickey is. Then we see Mickey is still taking photos back in the workshop. But as he does, it looks like some of the mannequins are like moving slightly, like shifting position a little bit or something seems weird. And Mickey seems to hear something, but he kind of stops and he looks around and nothing seems out of place. So he keeps photographing. And then behind him, a mannequin clearly turns its head to look at him. And then it looks away because he like hears something or maybe senses something and looks until the mannequin puts its head back. So he's really getting nervous. So he decides he needs to leave. But as he does, a mannequin spins around and its outstretched arm knocks him down. And so he scrambles to get up and these mannequins just like start sliding across the floor towards him. Ooh, man. So... Outside, we see Kolchak is leaving. He's, like, done. He's neither interested in the Trevi collection nor in waiting for Mickey. And then suddenly above him, there's the sound of a window shattering, and this body comes flying down from above, and it lands on the roof of a car right in front of Kolchak. And all this crowd of onlookers start gathering, and Kolchak realizes it's Mickey. 
and he's dead. <gasps> but on the ground, Kolchek picks up something, and it's Mickey's micro camera. And then we have commercial. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that scene with the mannequins was really well done. Like, two of the mannequins are actresses. And, like, mm-hmm. as they're behind him, you can kind of see them shaking as they're trying to hold still. Because, obviously, it's very hard to hold completely still, especially when you're right next to mannequins. So you have this, like, frame of reference for what still is. But I thought yeah. they did a really good job. And I really liked the way they kind of juxtaposed the actual mannequins with these actresses and the way that they mm-hmm. moved. I thought it was really, yeah, it was creepy. It was good. It was well done. No, yeah, it was good. So back inside Trevi, small groups of people are standing around talking about what happened. And Kolchak heads to the back of the room where he last saw Mickey and ducks behind the partition. So as he comes around a rack of clothes, he startles Madeline, the model who started off the show. And she asks if he's a policeman. And we can actually see a few uniformed officers behind her talking to different people. And Kolchak's like, do I look like a policeman? And tells her that he's a reporter. And he says he was there covering the fashion show earlier. And he asks her if a stairwell at the back of the room goes all the way up. And she says he does, but he's not allowed to go up because the police are up there dusting for prints. But she tells him if he is interested in the man who was killed, she can tell him more than he could ever learn up there because she knew him. And Kolchak's like, why would you talk to me? And she's like, (laughs) because I want publicity. I want you to put me in the newspaper. So she wants her face out there. So she's ambitious. When he tells her that he was there covering the show, she's like, oh, they put me in that awful cape thing with the feathers. And I'm like, I actually really like that outfit. (laughs) I think she looked good in it, but it's just me. I mean, we know from experience that my tastes don't seem to run the way the majority of tastes go. Me neither. And I mean, I'm no Tim Gunn, but I thought it was nice. I think her complaint is just that, like, it was so much that she kind of got lost in it. And she wants to be more like me not the clothes and so i think the clothes were just too yeah but she drops the hooded cape and then she's just got that little slinky dress thing Mm -hmm. on i mean yeah Yeah, i I think she's just complaining about it because it's like it hides my face oh maybe (laughs) i I have no idea who tim gunn is oh my gosh (laughs) tim gunn is he was the mentor in project runway for like the first 15 something seasons or something oh see reality tv yeah i don't know who the hell he is he's like a fashion teacher at parsons and he is just a really cool guy. He's also asexual, which is cool. Dude, he's always very dapper. He's always wearing suits. And he's just really nice. He's always very supportive. So, like, oh, okay. and he's he's just a cool dude. I really liked him, Gun. But I also okay. really like Project Runway. So, <laughs> I love reality TV. I know. So, Madeline and Kolchak are walking outside in a park and or a nice suburb, basically back towards... I'm actually not sure where they're going. I remember they end up at like a house. Anyway, mm-hmm. not important. So she's yeah, carrying- I had a big paragraph about what I think is going on, and I realized it doesn't matter, but they're they're going somewhere. Right. So they're walking. She's walking with him. Yeah. And she's carrying a hat box and a makeup case. And she tells Kolchek that police believe the man, Mickey, was a fashion spy and he was trying to steal designs and then he fell out the window. And Kolchek is surprised there's a market for that kind of thing. But I mean, you can still. He actually says that kind of crud. Yeah, he's, you know, but there is. I mean, obviously, if you can steal someone else, I mean, stealing is terrible, but yeah, there's definitely a market for that. So he's obviously not impressed. No. So she tells him that the room is where Madame Trevi keeps all her designs for the next season. And then she asks what kind of story Kolchak can write about her. Obviously, Kolchak's only really interested in the death, but he's like, oh, I might be able to tie in something to the dead man's story. And she's like, that's terrific. The juxtaposition of a beautiful fashion model and the grim death of a fashion spy. So Kolchak tries to bring it back to the death because obviously that's what he's interested in. And she did tell him she knew Mickey Patchett. And she's like, only indirectly. One of the other models was dating him. So Kolchak tries to get that model's name, but Madeline doesn't want to tell stories without permission. And, you know, obviously she wants the story to be about her. So she doesn't want him talking to another model because then he might write about the other model instead. So Kolchak's kind of like, well, you can call me when you get the name because he just wants to leave. But she convinces him to go inside the cottage with her because like, obviously he's going to need to know all about her to write his story on her. 
And so she rattles off these titles that she's won, like Miss Teen, this and that. And she was a 4-H competition winner, too. And Kolchak's like, oh, 4-H. And he says something about slopping hogs. And Madeline is, like, very serious. And she says that she raised a prize goat. Mm. So she wasn't a model in that competition. So I'm not sure how that really relates to her. I don't know. <laughs> modeling career. But she's she's just basically trying to pump herself up, make herself interesting. So he'll write things about her. Yeah. So as they head inside, they pass two models on the landing chatting. And one of them is holding a very beautiful white cat with a diamond studded mm-hmm. blue collar. And it's absolutely gorgeous. It's a gorgeous white cat. Yeah, it's kitty. not one of those fancy feast looking foo-foo flat face cats this is a straight up gorgeous murder floofing cat it is gorgeous it's beautiful yeah i don't know if it's a boy or girl but absolutely gorgeous cat i want to pet it and kiss Mm -hmm. its little head it's adorable it's a prime example of catitude (laughs) it's a kitty it makes me happy i am a black cat guy but I would happily have this cat because it's basically the exact opposite of a black cat. It is a totally white <laughs> cat, but it looks like, like I said, it doesn't like one of those fancy feast models that are like, oh, yeah. ooh, I don't eat out of this. So, yeah. yeah. My boys are orange and tuxedo, so mine are little, they're not fancy kitties. But they look like cats. Yes, they do. They're, they have like a muzzle. They're and... very handsome little boys. Yes, they are. Yes. Anyway. So Madeline just keeps on going on about herself and like how she loves animals and blah, 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 blah. Like trying to give Kolchak information for the story. And he's really just trying to get info on what he cares about, which is Mickey's death. Right. So they end up in like the open area dressing room with all the models and the stylists. And they're in various stages of preparation. And then a model walks by Kolchak in just a bra. And he's kind of like, oh, maybe I should go because he gets a little embarrassed. Right. But she just hands him a comb and it's like, just wave this around. No one will question why you're here. So. I mean, I'd be like, hey, women in various stages of undress. I'm cool here. Please let me stay. Anyway. <laughs> I mean, it's like a maybe. theater <laughs> dressing room, right? Where everyone's just like half naked, yeah. pulling off clothes. No one cares. Because yeah. yeah. no one's really looking at anyone. Everyone's just busy about getting ready and getting dressed and getting yeah. prepared. So Exactly. So Kolchek says if Madame Treve chose her to open the line, that she must be moving up in you know the model world. And Madeline's like, hardly. She was Madame Trevi's second choice. And then she starts dishing gossip. The first choice, Melody Sedgwick, had a falling out with Trevi because she is leaving to do cosmetic commercials right in the middle of a showing. So apparently in like 1975, doing cosmetic commercials, oh, it's so gauche. So Well, also done. like if you're a model and you get offered a commercial, you can't really say no, but I'm sure to someone running a show like that, it's probably pretty awful to like quit in the middle because you've already committed to it. So, yeah. But also like, why is she like, like she should be happy because now she gets to be the star. But yeah. So, so then another model enters in a white gown and she sees Madeline and then she storms off and she tells Kolchik that that is Ariel the top international model and she's actually like you see that girl over there and Kolchak's like oh oh yeah so Kolchak apparently likes Ariel I think Ariel's more his type she's like brunette and I don't know yeah yeah so suddenly a man walks over and tells Madeline that she is off the shoot Ariel refuses to work with her because she says they are too close in appearance and Madeline's like, what? She can't do that. She like, She's like getting ready for this shoot, right? That's why she's there. And the man is like, oh, yes, she can. She's Ariel. And he's like, sorry. And he walks away. So Kolchak starts to look kind of uncomfortable because it's like, hmm, this is not, you know, <laughs> emoting and stuff. Oh. But then he's like, so again, about that model you were telling me about that was dating Mickey. And she is just kind of like, she's not here. And so Kolchak's like, okay, well, then I'm going to go by. And he's kind of frustrated because he's obviously wasted time. He's got no information. And Madeline is just staring off into space. She's like devastated by the news. She's been kicked off the shoot. So then we see Ariel and she is sitting on a couch getting ready for the shoot, right? So I guess the couch is part of the shoot. So mm-hmm. she's kind of sitting there. And then suddenly the white murder floofin runs into the area and leaps onto Ariel's face. 
and there are screams and several of the models run over to the edge of the chute, including Madeline. And we see Ariel crying out and she's clutching her face and there are streams of blood just like running down her fingers. Yeah. So murder floofing did some murder floofing. Yeah. I hope the owners, the owner took their cat somewhere safe. So the cat doesn't get in trouble for this, but yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it ran off, but yeah, yeah. hopefully yet yeah, the cat doesn't get in trouble for that. So because it's not the cat's fault. No, it might be witchcraft. But also, I don't know, my cats claw me all the time. I still love them. (laughs) I think this might be a little more than that. I'm guessing. Yeah, probably. I mean, it did. Yeah. Anyway. Flowing blood is usually not a good no. sign. No, and it's also all, so. it's obviously very targeted as well because it's her face yes. and she's a model. So. Yeah, yeah. So it's 11.45 p.m. and Kolchek has received word that Murray Vernon, who is Mickey Pacek's lead competitor in the information business, is ready to deal on some of the same info that Mickey had for Kolchek. Info that is going to blow the lid off a labor extortion racket that would put several bosses in the garment industry behind bars. So Kolchak is supposed to call Murray at a certain number to arrange the pass. So back in the days of phone booths, you had to call the number of the phone booth to make the connection so you could set up the pass, right? But before Kolchak can call him, Murray learns that his number is up. Oh. Yeah. So we basically see Murray gunned down in the phone booth. And Kolchak is climbing the stairs to the INS office when he's grabbed by two men. So they pull him into the men's room slash file room slash dark room, all purpose room. And they tell Mm -hmm. him they want the info. They know Murray made the pass. And Kolchak's like, I don't have it. I don't have it. I can get it. So they end up haggling. He's like, give me 72 hours. And they're like 48. And they end up like splitting the difference. And they agree to 60 hours that he has to get the information or else. Mm Hmm. But then it's commercial. Yep. Yeah. Strange that we didn't do the commercial like when Murray died or when Ariel got her face ripped off. Right. But it's kind of well, Ariel didn't die. She just had her No, but she did get her face ripped off. Yeah. Yeah. And then Murray died. But then we get a little I guess timing. Who knows? Yeah. So Kolchak's telling Vincenzo about the extortion racket story. And Vincenzo says that Kolchak doesn't actually sound that enthused about it. And he's like, Why do you want to cover it? And Kolchak's like, I don't want to. I have to. I have this deadline. I have 60 hours to get this information that Murray was trying to pass to me, even though I have no idea what it was or who else might have it. But he does have one lead. Kolchak Mm. developed the photos from Mickey's camera and he shows them to Vincenzo. So Vincenzo's like, well, it wasn't much of a photographer. And Kolchak's like, he wasn't much of a skydiver either. Mm. Yeah. Too soon, Kolchak. Too soon. (laughs) So... They lay all the photos out and Kolchak notices that one of the mannequins has moved in between photos and the angles and the shadows are different and police say he was alone in the room. So Vincenzo asks if he's been able to prove that Mickey's death wasn't an accident or link Mickey and Murray's deaths and Kolchak hasn't and the deaths have scared all his usual snitches into silence. Uh Uh-oh. So Kolchak's only remaining lead is Madeline. And as an aside, Kolchak asked him if he heard about the cat that clawed up the French model's face, and he hasn't. And Vincenzo's like, forget about the model, forget about the cat, focus on Murray and his information, or you're going to end up just like Mickey and Murray. And, you know, Vincenzo can tell that Kolchak isn't going to listen and starts yelling and eventually loses it. And he's telling Kolchak, you know, they're going to kill you if you don't find that info. And then he's like, I don't know why I'm bothering to tell you because you're just not listening. And I have a business to run and I don't need to worry about some reporter with a death wish. Yeah, he's like basically screaming at Kolchak at this point. Yeah. Like shouting down the stairwell. And of course, we realize that he's actually getting so worked up because he cares about Kolchak. And he's worried about Kolchak. And he feels helpless. So, yeah. It's actually a really good scene, too. Yeah. Simon Oakland does a pretty good job of this He scene. does, yeah. Yeah. And then he thinks he's stroking out because he, like, <laughs> checks his, like, pulse and everything. He's like, oh, oh. So, yeah. But, no, he does a really good job. He's he's very he's, he's very good at being angry. He's yeah. He's very good at that. Yeah, he's very it good. He is. It's very easy to just go over the top with that. So. It is May 2nd, and it's 8.45 p.m. And Melody Sedgwick 
is exhausted after a day in her new career of shooting cosmetic commercials. And she needs to soak her tensions away. Or so we're told by Kolchak. She's actually going to take a shower. But then he tells us that her tension will leave her forever. That doesn't sound good. So we see Melody preparing for and then entering the shower. So we get some little titillating hints at nudity for a television show. And then we see she's enjoying the feel of the warm water, washing away the day. And then suddenly the shower becomes scalding hot. And she's like, ah, she's trying to turn the knobs, but they won't move. And the door is locked because we have seen the door kind of like the little like right before the water started getting hot, which is weird. And then she screams and she screams. And it seems almost like the shower head is kind of like following her as she's trying to like avoid the hot water. And she just screams and screams and screams. Yeah, it's pretty. Yeah, it's not a good situation. But we have a date goof. Mm -hmm. Because we started this episode at Tuesday, May 2nd at 1 p.m. And then Mickey is killed. And then Murray is killed at 1145 p.m. And then it's the next day. So Melody's shower scene really should have been May 3rd at 845, mm-hmm. not May 2nd. Yeah, and I noticed that too. I noticed they repeated May 2nd. I'm like, wasn't it just May 2nd? Yeah. If they had flipped Murray and Melody, that would have worked. Right. Right. Well, actually, it wouldn't have because then Kolchek is there during the day at INS telling about getting roughed up by the... Oh, no, but it would have been because then he wouldn't have got roughed up by the mob guys and be telling Vincenzo about it yet. So I guess that, that would have worked because then that stuff would have happened after this scene because Murray would have happened after this scene too. So... Yeah. Quite a bit of rearranging to do. But probably <laughs> mess up the commercial setup. Everything. <laughs> it's okay. So... Although, maybe a commercial would happen right here because one doesn't even though someone dies. Right. So Kolchak's unable to find Madeline and all his informants have scattered to the wind and are lying low. But Miss Emily manages to get a hold of Kolchak and informs him that Melody Sedgwick was scalded to death in her shower. So Kolchak heads to the scene. Or so we think. We think he's heading to the scene. Yeah. But instead, we see Kolchak interviewing Madame Trevi and her assistants there watching and during the interview, a designer, Cornelius, brings down some designs, one of which she like tears into pieces, and another she makes some changes to. And her assistant has scooped up Kolchek's hat and is kind of looking at it because you know he has that straw hat. Mm-hmm. And Trevi tears up a third drawing, and Cornelius leaves, and the assistant drops Kolchek's hat back onto the table, and Kolchek kind of smacks his hand. <laughs> yeah, don't touch my hat. You don't mess with Kolchek's chapeau. Yeah. So Kolchak has already asked her about the espionage in the fashion world. And then Kolchak turns to the subjects of the models. And Trevi becomes upset when Kolchak asks about Melody Sedgwick and whether Trevi can back up claims that they didn't argue that Melody had agreed to come back right before her death. Because she had gone, you know, as we know, she took the cosmetics job and then apparently she had agreed Mm -hmm. to come back, Trevi says. So Trevi has no motive to kill her, basically. Because she was going to come back and do my show. So why would I want her dead? Unless she's lying. Yeah, which is what Kolchak Which is, is. why she gets mad, because Kolchak is like, can you back that up? Yeah. So Kolchak asks if she knew Mickey Patchett, or why he seemed to jump from the top of her building. And she says she did not know him, and she wishes she could say the same for Kolchak, and then asks him to leave. Yeah. Trevi's assistant was giving me strong Alton Brown vibes. Yeah. I think it's just because the hair and the glasses. I think so, stuff. yeah. I can see like, that. Early, like early Alton Brown, yes. too. Not like modern Alton Brown, but like yeah, like when Goody first started kind of thing. Yes, so. when he looked very young and nerdy. Yeah. yeah. And then we get another gaffe here, possibly. Tori has maybe a reason why this one works out okay. Because when Kolchek was talking to Vincenzo earlier, I didn't put this in the notes, but he uses the word haute couture, and then Vincenzo doesn't know what it means, and Kolchik tells him that it means high fashion. But then in this interview, Trevi uses the word, and Kolchik is like, go, he, like he doesn't know what that word means. So that seems to be a mistake, but Tori has an idea. Yeah, well, just like when Kolchik says it, I think, I can't remember how he pronounces it, but it's like wrong. He says like hot coacher or something, like it's not correct at all. And 
Trevi actually just says haute couture, like you're supposed to say it. So I wonder if maybe the pronunciation is throwing him off and he doesn't maybe. know what Like maybe saying. he's one of, he's one of those people who reads a lot. Right. And then doesn't know how to say words. Mm-hmm. And so like, you know, like crudité, you could say crudité your entire life. And then you see the word written out. You're not going to know what the hell that is the same thing. Yeah. So, yeah. So I think maybe that might be why he doesn't understand it, but I'm not sure. It might just be a mistake. Yeah. It's basically French. French is an abomination. Sorry, Tori. <laughs> Because it's all French words that are, the, that are the problem. That is not true. French is great. <laughs> C'est fantastique. Oui. <laughs> Which is not spelled with a W. How am I supposed to pronounce that? <laughs> it's all vowels and it's all we. Yes. How, how does that work? I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> the French have more mouth sounds. It's basically, there's no A-E and it's oh, there's O-U-I. A, there's so. an A-E. It's just pronounced differently. <laughs> No, I mean, and we. Oh, yeah, and we know. Yeah, we and we. Yeah, yeah. We. 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 Oh, we. That's what I can say. <laughs> anyway, we see Kolchak driving through Chicago, and it's night, and we find out it's 11 p.m., and he actually is now going to Melody Sedgwick's apartment. So it must be the same day, because there are two officers outside her apartment door, and they won't let Kolchak in. So he pulls out his press badge and says, like, hey, and then they still won't let him in. So he's like, so he goes over to the manager's department and he rings the bell and the manager opens the door and he's like, I've talked to the cops and I've talked to the reporters and I'm not talking to anyone else. And Kolchak says, well, what about talking to a lawyer to cover your personal liability? It's not normal for someone to die from a burning shower water. Sounds like a building problem and you could be held responsible. So, of course, now the manager wants to talk to Kolchek. So he actually takes Kolchek into Melody's apartment. Those cops must have been pissed. We don't get to see this scene, but they must have been upset. And they inspect the shower. And it's all good. And the water is automatically regulated. It never gets above a certain temperature. Kolchek turns it on. He feels it. It's nice and hot. Nice steam. And he checks the door. The door lock seems fine. Everything looks good. So he's like, yeah, looks good. Mm -hmm. And he just leaves. And that's the scene. And I'm not sure why it's even in this episode. I mean, it would be weird for Kolchak to not go to the crime scene. So I can kind of see why that's in there. But I'm guessing maybe this is just to establish that everything is normal. So maybe right. it had to be witchcraft. I think it wasn't just like her shower was broken. I think so. I think it's meant to establish that, the, you know, the shower is fine. And like the building actually has like, usually if you have a water heater of any kind, you actually have like a a, hot, a temperature limit that you can like yeah. set. So yeah, that's. Yeah, just to establish that there's it, there has to be something weird going on because the shower itself is fine. It still is weird that he went to go see Madame Trevi first and didn't go to the scene first, but... Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he had an appointment to talk to her or something. <laughs> yeah. Also, news traveled fast because she died at 8.45. He's at her apartment at 11. He saw Madame Trevi in between, and she already knows that Melody has died. So yeah, news just whoosh. And the police cleaned this scene up pretty good, pretty fast. Body's gone. Usually Kolchak arrives and the body's still there and the police are all still there. So yeah. yeah. So it's late, but Kolchak finds Madeline at the Trevi Salon. <laughs> and not the saloon. No, not he the says saloon. The salon. Pisses her off. So. And she's taking over for Melody at Madame Trevi's request. And so she was asked to come in to test fit some of the fashions for the next day's showing, make sure they fit her and see if they have to be adjusted at all. So Kolchak asks if she knows about Melody and obviously Madeline does. So Kolchak asks how she feels about asking to do this so late after what happened. And she's like, I don't want to talk about it. So she's obviously upset. And Kolchak asks what she means if you don't want to talk about it. He's a reporter. He's trying to find out what's going on. And Madeline's like, she won't let you find out. And Kolchak's like, who is she? And she's like, Madam Trevi, of course. She has power. And Kolchak's mm. like, what power? And Madeline says, Madam Trevi is a witch. <gasps> so Kolchak says he's never met a witch before, but he wants to go talk to her. And Madeline says, Madam Trevi would kill her if she knew she told Kolchak about her power. Also, Madam Trevi isn't there. So Kolchak's like, well, I'll come back. And he tells Madeline to take care of herself. Yeah. We'll talk more about this at the end of the episode. This is probably Madeline's best scene, I think. Yeah. She seems very, like, 
she seems very upset and that kind of stuff it seems yeah this is probably her best scene yeah. i think so so kolchek leaves the building and he's walking to his car and another car on the street starts up and its lights turn on and then it jumps the curb and tries to run down kolchek so it chases him into a large alley or maybe a small parking lot it's like against the building and Kolchak dives behind a cluster of trash cans as the car sideswipes the trash cans and then spins around to come at him again. So he grabs a pipe on the ground and he runs to his Mustang and he like jumps on the hood and hurdles the pipe through the windshield of the oncoming car. And it skids to a stop just inches from Kolchak in his car. And so Kolchak like gets off the hood, looks inside and inside the car is empty except for broken glass and a pipe laying on the seats. So Kolchak's confused because obviously the car shouldn't be able to drive itself. And he looks around and he sees Madame Trevi looking at him from the building across the way. She's a witch. She's a witch. She sent a car after him, an enchanted car to like run him down. I wonder if that car is named Christine. Ooh, maybe. It doesn't look like Christine. No. But yeah. And it's commercial. And thankfully, Kolchak didn't die because right. commercials, we know about that. Hmm. So it's the next day, and Kolchak is at a lecture or a meeting or something about witchcraft. And he asks the speaker if witches exist in the modern day, especially like in Chicago, like modern day Chicago. Are there witches here? And the speaker says that if one believes in witches, then witches exist. And given the recent surge in public interest around the occult, they must indeed exist. So Kolchak is like, well, how do you tell if someone is a witch? Aside from the pointy hat and cackle. And that does not go over (laughs) well among the group. Anyway, the speaker says that if he means a test, the only provable method is that witches cannot be drowned. That is the only true test. So meanwhile, a woman is in the back of the group and she is watching Kolchak. So we find out this lecture is a book signing because then the dude is sitting there and he's signing his books and, you know, Kolchak is standing next to him. He's got a book under his arm and he asks the author if there is some way to take away a witch's power. And the author tells him that a witch must be publicly accused. This at least will lessen their power until they can be properly dealt with by burning, of course. So he informs Kolchak that all this information is in his book. In other words, stop asking me all these questions. I'm trying to sell books. And so Kolchak's like, oh, well, I bought a copy. And then he walks away and he mumbles to himself like, and it cost me $10.95, which would be about 60 bucks today. Ooh, crazy book. Yeah. And Kolchak walks over to a bulletin board in the room. And there's a bunch of cards pinned to the bulletin board. And it seems to be like an advertising board for like witchcraft services or covens looking for members. It's all witchcraft related. Interesting. And the woman who was watching him comes over and tells him he shouldn't trust most of these postings. Most of them are frauds and charlatans. And then she's like, oh, you bought a copy of the book. And Kolchak is like, well, is it any good? And she's like, oh, I'm sure it's going to sell millions because trash usually does. And so he's like, well, if the book is trash, why did you guys ask him to speak here? So she must be like associated with whatever this is, whether it's a college or something anyway. And she replies that it's business, just like everything else nowadays. So she points to one card up on the wall and tells him she thinks that coven would be the type of thing he's looking for. But not to tell anyone she told him because witchcraft does have professional ethics. And it's like, says, like she's a member of it. She joined it at one point, that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. you know. strangely, it's like, don't tell them I sent you because apparently that's not what you're supposed to do in covens. Guess not. So, yeah. So that night, Kolchak pulls up to a private residence and rings a doorbell. And a hooded man answers and he bids Kolchak to enter because they know why he's there. So he asks for a nominal donation and Kolchak puts some money in, and he's like, not that nominal. And so Kolchak <laughs> puts more money in. I thought that was a really funny. But he hands Kolchak a robe, and then he pushes a button, and the wall slides away to reveal a very large candlelit room with a fireplace. And there's other hooded individuals walking in a circle, chanting around an altar. And so Kolchak is guided to join the procession, and he does. Though, you know, his rope is, everyone else is wearing their robes, like, neatly how they're meant to be. And, like, his is open and kind of draped over his shoulders with the hood down. And he's still wearing his hat. 
So a bearded man in a suit with arched eyebrows and cape appears and lights some additional candles and says, it is time for the invocation of the sacrifice. And then an, <clears throat> another hooded individual approaches holding a goat. Poor goat. And the man raises a dagger, but then one of the hooded participants is like, we cannot continue with the sacrifice. One here cannot be part of the coven for they're under the spell of a black witch. <gasps> and the man is like, he looks at Kolchak because obviously who else would it be? And he's like, is this true? And Kolchak's like, I don't know. She might have killed some people and might be trying to kill me. I'm not sure. And so the man's like, she is a black witch. We have no power over them and we fear them as much as you do. So you must leave. And Kolchak's like, oh, okay, fine. But I had some questions. And he points to the guy who let him in. And he says, you told me all my questions would be answered. And Griselda, the hooded woman who was like, we have to stop this. She says she can help. So the bearded guy is like, okay, do so, but hurry. So Griselda rushes over to a writing table and she begins writing. And Kolchek goes over and grabs the paper and the words are backwards. And the man says he must read what has been written in the mirror. So Kolchek goes down the list. He holds it up to a mirror and he reads, oak chest, mojo bags, brass bells, copper thread. And they tell him that the witch's power is in the chest and he must destroy the contents. And suddenly Griselda's pen flies from her hand and hovers around the room and they all shriek. And the man's like, she's here. And he like gestures for Kolchak to leave because he needs to get out of there. So the witch won't attack them. And the pen is like floating around the room like it's a wasp. And so Kolchak runs out and he manages to take back his donation which, you know, to be fair, they didn't really give him anything, so it's fine. And outside, Kolchak reaches his Mustang and rolls up the window. And in the reflection, he reads the rest of the writing. Chest closet behind witch's desk. He then hops in the car and drives away. So inside, we see the coven is laughing hysterically. And Madeline is also there. And she is laughing maniacally. And everyone's just laughing maniacally like it's the funniest thing. And it's it's pretty unhinged, actually. They they all seem like a little off the rails. Yeah, so. Madeline is extremely, like, she's almost convulsing. I'll say it. They're, she's overacting. She's bit. way overacting. I, mean, yeah, I don't know what they were directed to do, but yes, it's over the top. Yeah. Well, the rest of them actually seem okay. They're kind of, like, chuckling. Some of them are laughing. But, like, she is insane. Yeah. So, yeah. Don't do witchcraft, kids. It melts your brain. Mm, clearly. This is your brain on witchcraft. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> yeah. So Kolchek is in Trevi's office, and he's breaking into this ornate wooden wardrobe that's behind her desk. So closet, right? And in the back, he finds a string of brass bells hanging on what we're assuming is probably a copper thread behind all the clothing. He's moving all the clothing around inside there, and he hears these jingle. He takes the bells, and he takes them. And then he finds a small wooden chest. And inside are several rolled up sheets of paper that have odd symbols on them. And there's all these various scraps of pieces of material and such. So he dumps the contents all into the trash can. And then he strikes a match. And he lights the entire book of matches on fire. And he just throws it into the trash can, igniting the contents. And then Madame Treve comes running in, asking, what have you done? And he says, I've stripped you of your power. And then he asks her about the death of Mickey Pacek. And she says that he was trying to steal her designs. But now that he's destroyed the items that were controlling her, nothing will stop her from killing them both. And as she's talking, it sounds like she's slowly like running out of breath and like maybe being strangled or something. Mm -hmm. So Kolchak is kind of confused. He's like, what are you talking about? And who's this her? And at this point, Trevi has fallen to the ground. And then she weakly says, Madeline. Madeline is the witch and then she passes out and so she's still like gasping for a breath even though she's unconscious and the Kolchak grabs the phone and we're assuming like he's calling like you know paramedics 911 whatever yeah. right and then it's commercial yeah I don't think 911 existed yet but probably in I don't ambulance. think so yeah. yeah that's why it was that's why I was like oh, probably yeah. yeah whatever emergency services number he can call yeah maybe just the operator operator get me yeah an ambulance so. so at the hospital, Trevi is in a bed and Kolchak stands beside her with the doctor. She's suffering from lingerial constriction. Basically, she was choking to death and the doctors don't know why or how to stop it. 
so she's been intubated so she has like a tube in her throat so she can breathe and she's stable for now we assume but maybe not doing super well yeah kolchak might have made a goof here yeah he may have made a huge mistake yeah joe bluth would say and then at the INS, the office is torn apart and Vincenzo, Updike, and Miss Emily are cleaning up. And the janitor is cleaning graffiti off the windows and the graffiti says something that, about Kolchak moving too slow, obviously, to get the information that he's supposed to be getting under 60 hours. And we can't really see what it is, but they tell him there's like a dirty word in there. So Vincenzo tells Kolchak that he needs to drop this fashion angle and just find the info that Murray was trying to give him before they all end up in Lake Michigan wearing cement kimonos. And Kolchak is like, I am, I am. I believe the two are intertwined. And now he has something to help him. And he holds up the small leather drawstring bag. It's a mojo bag and it's filled with items that will ward off a black witch. And <laughs> Vincenzo's like, you know, Kolchak, every year, my brother-in-law Rocco asked me to come work in the Venetian blind business. He has a nice house, a nice car, but I always refuse because the newspaper business flows through my veins. But this year, this is the year he's going to join the Venetian blind business. And Kolchak notes that a guy named Rocco in the Venetian blind business sounds like a mob front. <laughs> He's like, everything is going to be fine because I've got a mojo bag and I know the sound of breaking glass is anathema to a black witch. And Vincenzo's just like, okay, whatever. Goodbye, Carl. And like closes his office door. So he's... he's had enough. He also mentions when he says a nice house, he says it's a $50,000 house. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, that wouldn't even, that's barely a down payment. And that's not even, yeah, yeah. anyway, whew, times have changed. And we know from previous episodes, like trying to find out what a $50,000 house would be worth is basically impossible because like you can look at the inf inflation wise, it would be like $250,000, but that's nothing because housing. housing is not tied to inflation no, at all. The housing market has skyrocketed. So. You could probably sell that house for a million dollars now. Depending on Speaking where it of is. inflation, <laughs> I never got around to looking at how much Carl's camera cost because I was so excited about fighting monkey men. But it turns out that $125 for his voucher to get his camera fixed when Molnar stepped on it last episode. Mm -hmm. I actually have two different ones that I use and they actually gave me different numbers on that one. And I'm not sure why, but anywhere from like $650 to $700. Wow. So expensive. Yeah. So Kolchak is still missing something from his mojo bag and he can't remember what it is. And Miss Emily tells him a call came in and a doctor at the hospital wants him to come by immediately. And suddenly Kolchak remembers the missing item is copper wire. And Miss Emily's like, I'm not going to tell you to take it. I'm just going to point. I'm just going to point. And she points to some of the copper wire that's sticking out of the wrecked wire machine and Kolchak runs over and pulls the wiring out of it. And Vincenzo comes out and yells at him. And Kolchak's like, it needs to be repaired anyway. And the Venetian blinds behind my desk are wrecked. So there you go. That's your first sale. And then he runs out of the office. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> my God. Yep. Just ripping the wire right out of that. <laughs> oh, my Kolchak. God. So Kolchak's at the hospital. And the doctor tells him that Trevi has been trying to say something all day and she keeps repeating his name. So Kolchak leans way in and Trevi can barely rasp out the words ragdoll. And then he finds out that Madeline has the ragdoll somewhere in Trevi's office and Kolchak needs to find it. So the doctor and Kolchak leave the room and the doctor tells Kolchak that he'll be surprised if Trevi makes it past tonight. And then he's like, what's all this doll stuff about? Voodoo? And Kolchak's like, no, not voodoo. Witchcraft. <laughs> and he says, I just need to cut the hair from around his neck. And the doctor says, well, I don't know anything about witchcraft or if it'll help Trevi. But it reminds me of what my mother used to say about chicken soup. And at the same time, they both say, it couldn't hurt. So the doctor's kind of got an open mind, which is cool. He's like, eh, I don't know about this witchcraft stuff, but I mean, she's probably going to die, so... Can't hurt, right? Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. So 
the doctor in this scene and the previous scene where she ends up in the hospital is played by Bernie Coppell, who is credited in this episode as Bernard Coppell. And he's probably most famous for going on to play another doctor, Doc, a.k.a. Dr. Adam Bricker, on The Love Boat. In case you were wondering why I mentioned The Love Boat last oh, episode. Right. I had already seen this episode. Love Boat. He played Doc for over 10 years. And there were like TV movies about it too and everything. It's crazy. Also, if you look at his filmography, his filmography is nuts. You could probably say that he has literally been in everything. And like a pettit would not argue with you about usage. Because like it is so long. And he's still going. At age 88... He has a recurring role in the CBS series, Be Positive. Oh, nice. Well, good for him. Yeah. And he was in uh, just like some random stuff. He was he was in The Six Million Dollar Man. I'm a fan of that. He was also like in Curb Your Enthusiasm. Like, I think he was like, like three episodes of that. So he's he's been working. But yeah, his filmography is nuts. There's so many listings. The day we're recording this, June 20th, 2021. Like I told you, we're recording this early. Tomorrow is actually his birthday. So today he's 87. Tomorrow he'll be 88. So that's why I said he's 88 and still going because by the time you hear this, he'll be 88. Hopefully he doesn't die. That would be not good. But yeah. So <laughs> yeah, hopefully yeah. he'll still be going. Although if he's still going strong, I mean, good for him. That's awesome. Yeah. And apparently I had to look up, I hadn't heard of Be Positive. Um, but apparently it's been renewed for a second season. So I'm assuming, you know, everything goes well. He'll be in the second season too. So nice. Yeah. So it's dark and the Trevi salon is locked. And so Kolchak goes around the side and climbs up into an open window. And he walks through the salon, shaking his mojo bag and makes his way up to the design room that's full of mannequins where Mickey Patchett was taking pictures and also where he was thrown from the window. And as Kolchak looks around, we see some of the mannequins shift. <gasps> and one turns its head and Kolchak is like shaking his mojo bag and he like catches movement. So he freezes and then he's on, you know, he's like obviously on edge. And so then he rummages through some drawers and goes through some of the tables and the mannequins continue to like shift and move when he's looking elsewhere. And then, you know, when he like looks up, they stop and he pulls a sheet off a dressing table and he's like sitting down to go through it. And he sets his mojo bag down in the process. Oh, no. And with a pair of scissors, he pries open a locked cabinet and he finds a rag doll. <gasps> so he cuts the tie around the doll's neck. And at the hospital, we see Trevi take a deep breath. So clearly she's like able to breathe again. Oh, good. And then a mannequin collides quickly towards Kolchak. And he reaches for his mojo bag, but the mannequin's hand sweeps it aside before knocking him to the ground. And then we see Madeline is standing at the door in front of Kolchek. And she tells Kolchek that he was very brave coming with his little mojo bag to save Trevi. And she's like, Madam Trevi is a fool. Together we could have been at the top, but instead Trevi conspired against me. And Kolchek says Trevi didn't like her methods. And Madeline says, Trevi knew what I was. We had a deal. And Kolchek is like, okay, fine, but we didn't have one, you and I. Why did you try and kill me in the parking lot? And Madeline says she just wanted to give him a demonstration to show him that magic was really at work because she needed him to get rid of Trevi's little controls. And she's like, I can use you. I can make you important. And Kolchak's like, oh yeah, you plan to do that by killing off my enemies because you're going to need to buy out a whole doll factory. <laughs> and then she's like, I know things. I know you're looking for something. A man was killed. Murray Vernon. I know where it is. His mother has it. It's in a shoebox in a rest home. And it's canceled checks from a garment union extortion. And Kolchak's like, that's great. Actually fantastic. But what do you really want? And she's like, I want it all. I want fame, fortune, money, everything. Kolchak's like, yeah, sounds great. You think I can maybe think our deal over? But she's like, you've already thought it over. She knows when he's lying. And Kolchak's like, yep, just like my mother. And he grabs a chair and he smashes a mirror. And Madeline shrieks because the sound of breaking glass is anathema to black witches. So 
he smashes another mirror and then he smashes all the mirrors until they're gone and Madeline's screaming the whole time. And then as soon as the sound is gone, Madeline recovers and is like, well, you can't accuse me because we're the only ones in the room and the mannequins don't care. And then the mannequins swarm Kolchak and they knock the mojo back from his hand and they just like dog pile on him. And they knock him to the ground and Madeline starts doing her maniacal laughter thing again. <laughs> but then Kolchak's fighting off the mannequins and he manages to grab his mojo bag and free himself from the tangle of mannequins. And then Madeline is like, stay back. But he grabs her and he dunks her into this tub of blue dye that is just there. And he's like, drown, witch, drown. And obviously he's forgotten that witches can't be drowned. That's right. the only true test if you're a witch. So he's kind of made a mistake there. So then he goes to grab his mojo bag. So Madeline comes up out of the blue dye and she looks like a crazed Smurf fat, basically. Like her face is kind of blue <laughs> yes. and her hair is all crazy. And she grabs a pair of scissors and she's like, kill him. And so Kolchak's got like blue dye all over his suit too. And he's got his mojo bag. And then he just hauls butt and like runs for it. And he makes out the front doors of the Trevi Salon. And Madeline is close behind him, but he jumps on top of a parked truck. And as she lunges at him with the scissors, there's a bunch of couples out walking around like for a quiet evening stroll. That's going to be over. Sorry, folks. Kolchak publicly accuses her. He's all, Madeline Perkins, I publicly accuse you of being a witch. And she starts shrieking and she tries to run, but apparently she's trapped by the gaze of the onlookers because it's public, right? So she has nowhere to go. And then he's like, in front of these people, I accuse you of practicing the black arts of witchcraft. And she's shrieking and she's writhing and her face is like got all these pox all over it now. Like her face is just busted out in pox. And he's like, and of consorting with the Prince of Darkness. And then she falls to the ground and she's writhing in pain and screaming and her face is all messed up <laughs> and then it's commercial time yeah yep and then we come back and Kolchek is at his desk and he has his sleeves rolled up and he speaks into a recorder and he tells us madeline was uncannily correct about the shoebox full of checks miss emily found them as predicted and we're about to break a large story about extortion in the garment industry Madeline was incorrect, however, about her own glorious future. A conviction for murder could never be lodged against her, but along with her black powers went her mind. I'm told that she's to be consigned to the women's ward of Grassland State Mental Hospital. The doctors there give her little hope of ever recovering her sanity. They can't understand what caused such a massive trauma. They say the form of medieval pox, which she contracted, has not been seen in our world for over 500 years. Quarantine! <laughs> it will leave permanent scars. Ah, oh, Madeline. Poor Madeline. She won't even be pretty anymore. Isn't that a pity? And then he clicks off the recorder and turns to his typewriter because he's got a big story to type up. He sure does. Yeah. And then it's the end credit sequence. Yep. Dun, dun, dun. Yep. Kolchek Witchfinder. Yep. Witchfinder General Kolchek. Yeah, why don't Just poke General, him with a pin? But... Haven't you seen Good Omens or read Good Omens? No. No, well, I know about the poking with a pin. That's a real thing. Yeah, so. yeah, but also yeah. You know, Witchfinder General. Anyway. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I know that's. I mean, that's a real term. I'm just saying, I don't know that Kolchak would be the general. He might just be a witch finder. I don't know if he'd be the witch finder general. I guess so. so. Yeah, I don't know. He's not really high on like titles and authority. True. So, yeah. So Laura Parker, she's the one who played Madeline Perkins. She's probably best known for playing Angelique the Witch on Dark Shadows from 1966 to 1971. And then she made the rounds on 70s and early 80s television with guest boss on Emergency and Kung Fu and Kojak and Policewoman and Alice and Quincy Medical Examiner and Hawaii Five-O and the Rocker Files and Highway to Heaven and just all kinds of stuff. Not as impressive as Bernie Coppell, mind you, but a lot of TV shows. Although, most notably to me, although honestly, I wouldn't have remembered that she played this character and it kind of doesn't matter because the character's not in the show very long, but she did play Laura Banner in the opening sequence of the television pilot for The Incredible Hulk in 1977. And, boiler, her death is what led David Banner to search for a way to tap into the hidden strengths that all humans have. 
that results in an accidental overdose of gamma radiation that alters his body chemistry and creates the Incredible Hulk. So, yeah. I mean, maybe like her, I don't remember her being in the role, but still, it's a very pivotal character in my childhood because I watched that show a lot. And the Lonely Man theme by Joe Harnell is probably one of the saddest theme songs you will ever hear in your life. And it's even sadder on guitar because in the show, it's on piano. But yeah. When David solves the problems of that episode, then he's just back on the road by himself and he's hitchhiking because, you know, he's wanted for a crime he didn't commit. And people don't know that David Banner is still alive. He's hunted by Jack McGee as the Hulk. And so he's just all by himself all the time. And it's sad. Hmm. But I know Tori's probably never seen it. I have not. No, I've seen. I have. I've seen the unfortunate uh, Hulk movie with what's his face from Fight Club. Um, oh, you wouldn't like me when I'm angry. No, that's the one with Eric Bana. So you're talking about the Incredible Hulk, the movie, because the first one yeah. was just called Hulk. That's the angry one. Yeah, no, I've seen and the other one. Incredible Hulk. Ed Norton. Yeah. Edward Norton. Ed Norton. Yeah. And Ed- then, of course, we get we get dreamy, dreamy, dreamy Mark Ruffalo as the Hulk. And, I don't know if he's dreamy, but I, I he is dreamy. I vibe with dreamy. his energy. Like I really like it. the Hulk in the first Avengers movie is great. Like, that's my secret. I'm always angry. Like, I love Bruce Banner in the MCU. I wish Bruce Banner had more stuff to do in the MCU. I don't know. Yeah, well, that's all stupid licensing crap. So, because back when Marvel was super poor and didn't know how to make movies, they sold all the rights to the characters. And so that's why Hulk has never had his own movie, because can't do it. Yeah. So, like you had mentioned in the beginning... And I kind of like just like, yeah, they did a good job because I had this note down here at the end where I'm like just gushing over how well the mannequins and the transitions between the mannequins and the actors worked well. So I don't want to get into it there. But yeah, I think the dark haired one was the least convincing. And I think that's mainly because she kind of has poochy cheeks. Yeah. And so those don't really look very mannequin like because the mannequins are that, you know, super slender kind of mannequin style thing. I think the lady die looking one is the only one where they actually did a transition. Like they would have a mannequin and the mannequin would become a human mm-hmm. and then the human would become a mannequin again. All the rest, I think, were always either an actor or it was always a mannequin. Yeah. And they kind of mixed it up, which was kind of nice. Except for the very end, because at the very end when he's like extracting himself from all the mannequins and like the ones who were actors in the whole episode are then mannequins again because like their arms are gone and stuff because he's been fighting with them. So that makes sense. But yeah, yeah I think for the most part, the lady die looking one was the only one where they actually did like you see a mannequin and then you see a person and then you see a mannequin again. All the rest were either like always an actor or always a mannequin. Mm-hmm. So, but no, I think they did a really good job on that. I liked it a lot. Yeah, I thought so too. I thought it was good. Plus, I love like police procedurals or like mystery of the week type stuff that's like set in the fashion industry because like I just feel like that's always really fascinating. It's an interesting setting for that stuff. I know Psych had an episode like that. I think Monk had one too. And I just, I find that really enjoyable. So like the minute it started and there was a fashion show, I was like, oh yeah, okay, this is going to be good. So I was into it. Yeah, what I wasn't really a fan of was Laura Parker's acting in this episode. I mean, she was Um, fine. Like you say, she's incredibly over the top with the cackling. Like it's very... Well, there's that. And I think this is also just the character where she's playing in the beginning when she's like the model and she's trying to get culture grad story. She is so breathy. It's like ridiculous. It's like, oh, 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 what kind of story can you write about me? I'm an actor or in a model and and I'm so ditzy, but oh, I want to be famous. It's like, oh my God. And then yeah, the cackling and the overtop stuff, but yeah. yeah, I don't know. But I mean, I did believe her that Trevi was the witch, so. Yeah, the, the That's that was her best scene. Yeah, that, that scene was, was good scene. too, yeah. Because she wasn't playing, I mean, she's basically, she's made her entire career based on like playing Angelique from the Dark Shadows. Like she's been, she's written some novels about the Dark Shadows. Oh, nice. Like recently, like in the late 90s and early 2000s. Obviously she, you know, undoubtedly makes like the convention tours, that kind of stuff. Oh, for sure. So, yeah. So, I mean, she's, you know, she's made a career out of it, so that's fine. But I think that's <laughs> probably what she is good at doing. Yeah. So, yeah. But yeah, that was like the one thing I had yeah. really complained about. So, the story made sense it like i mean aside from like the dates and the times that were kind of wonky in some of the places and that whole like kolchik talking to trevi and then going Mm -hmm. to melody's apartment and then wanting to go talk to trevi again and that was kind of weird but yeah 
I mean, you've got your priorities. Part, I can see him putting a yeah, meeting first. For the most part, the Kolchek stories, even if they aren't like gripping, they at least like there's there's no like giant plot holes, right? Sometimes the dates are a little screwy. Yeah, usually times, not. But but there's usually not like huge plot holes of like how did that? I think there were a couple, but for the most part, they're pretty good. So far. <laughs> so far. Well, I mean, we only, sadly, we only have like six more to go. I know, I know. They've been pretty consistent. That said, what did you think of the episode? Um, I really like this episode. Again, I enjoy the fashion industry setting. I always think that's fun. I loved the murder floof. I thought the cat was gorgeous. I'm always, I love to mm-hmm. see cats. I'm in. I, I just thought this episode was more entertaining. Like, I love the stuff with Vincenzo and, like, how he's going to start selling Venetian blinds because he just can't deal with Kolchak anymore. I thought the side stuff was pretty interesting. Like, I thought the whole thing was... I mean, the whole, like, guys, you're going to get the information in 60 hours or whatever. I mean, it's fine. Um, that was actually... So there's a lot of stuff because I didn't... Obviously, it wasn't a, it wasn't a pivotal scene, so I didn't put no. all the detail in there. That scene itself, though is there is some humor in that it because is. like they're roughing him up and culture's like i need a week and they're like no you got and he's like have 72 hours and they're like haggling and like culture's like 72 hours the other guy's like 48 hours and then one guy's like we'll just split the difference 60 hours and they both kind of look at him like you can do math and then they kind of like okay 60 hours yeah well then when he's telling vincenzo like 60 hours so oh, how'd yeah. you come up with that number like, like he's like arbitration yeah it's like ridiculous so, i mean this episode was fun i felt like it had like more of that it kind of reminded me of the werewolf on the cruise ship type energy like it's oh yeah you know it's silly like the guy like we need a nominal donation not that nominal like you give us more money i know i thought it was funny but also it was just like it was entertaining like the whole time i was like this is a really fun episode i enjoyed it um i'm probably i think i'm gonna give it a seven Ooh, I, yeah i enjoyed it a lot i i don't All know right. why but for whatever reason i guess it hit my buttons and i had fun watching it so yeah i think um i think i'm also yeah it, i don't think this is up there with the vampire and the werewolf for me i guess seven is the vampire for you because you gave the vampire a seven we both gave the werewolf an eight so i think i'm also going to go with a seven okay cool I don't think it's up there with like the werewolf. Yeah, it's and, not like, I think quite werewolf, but it is. No. It is pretty yeah, entertaining. But it's close. I thought it was. It's fun, pretty close. So. Yeah, and like I said, the mannequin stuff they really did. Yeah, it was good. It, it was, was good cool. because, like, also they didn't have to worry about like a dude in a suit, right? And so, like, if they could pull off the mannequin thing, like they were they were gold, and they did. They did. I think they did a really good job on it. Like, I'm impressed with how well they did. I mean, now they would probably do that with like. CGI stuff, right? Probably, so yeah. And looking, and they would just move, or animatronic, right? You could have animatronics would be would be a way to do it too, but yeah. But no, I was really impressed with the mannequin stuff. So, just I think if Madeline's acting had been a little more to my style, I guess maybe I don't want to say it was bad, but it just wasn't my thing. I think that might have pushed up to an eight if I had maybe enjoyed her acting a little bit more. But yeah, like that one scene was really good, but like the rest kind of like oh, she's in the episode. <laughs> yeah. And the fashion clothes I actually really liked. Like the well, maybe not the one that Melody is wearing in the in the original fashion show, because that's when they get this weird, like she's got like the big, like she's wearing like a, a tent basically over her head with a veil. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's all that kind of like architectural kind of fashion. But like the thing that Madeline's wearing in the beginning, I liked. And then the thing that she's wearing when she meets Kolchak in that scene that I think is like her best scene, that is nice too. I yeah. like that. But her casual clothes, whoo, 70s, man. Oh my God, <laughs> those were not. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. So, yeah. Yeah, no, it's very no. 70s for sure. Yeah. Whew, man, yeah. Anyway, all right, cool. Double well, seven. I think what Nick is saying is that he would enjoy watching Project Runway. <laughs> in 1975, maybe. <laughs> Oh, oh it didn't exist in 1975. Darn, I guess I it can't did watch it. not. Too bad. No. <laughs> Too bad. Too bad. All right. Well, we'll talk to you guys. Or I guess we won't talk to you. We'll talk to each other and you will hopefully listen. Yeah, I hope so. We are murdering this transition. We are not doing a good job. We are so good at it. It's just because, you know, we're just having <laughs> such a good time. We just don't want it to end, right? And it oh, gets really dear. pathetic. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye. <laughs>
I Want to Rewatch is hosted by Tori and Nick and recorded at Black Cat Studios. Episode production, design, and editing is by Lazian Productions. Our music is Dark Science by David Hillowitz, and The Truth is What We Make of It by The Agrarians. Our premium feed is where you can find all of our X-Files adjacent bonus episodes covering television and films that are, you guessed it, X-Files adjacent. If you like these bonus episodes, tell a friend about our Patreon page. We'd love to have them join us. Speaking of which, be sure to join us next time as we rewatch episode 15 of Kolchek the Night Stalker, Chopper. And try to figure out if, if the, the truth, truth is, is still out there. there. office is torn apart and vincenzo and updike are cleaning up oh that should be updike and miss emily okay. i don't know updike and ron god, <laughs> my god my notes are all a nightmare this is what happens when you don't sleep sleep oh my god